the 37th parallel on America's haunted highway, it's Pixelated Paranormal, your guide to the unusual and the strange. What's up, everybody, and welcome back to Pixelated Paranormal, episode number 51. We are back and better than ever, and this episode will be kind of the follow-up to episode 49, where we kind of talked about some uh, presidential UFO alien weird conspiracies and rumors and strange shit, and we're going to get back at it again this time around with more uh, cover-ups and blunders and follies ado, so we're looking forward to this, but... Um, We have a little bit – this is kind of on the nose because we're talking about presidents, but kind of have our own little State of the Union uh, announcement to make here. Um, You know, last time on episode 50, we had Rob and Rob – number one, it was awesome to have him back on the show. We had a lot of really good uh, comments and feedback. People really missed Rob. But he made the announcement, dropped the bomb that he's going to take some more time off from the show. So we want to kind of get you guys up to speed on where we're at and what this means kind of for the future of uh, Pixelated Paranormal and, and the next 50 episodes. And in short, it doesn't really mean shit because we're going to keep on doing what we've been doing. <laughs> <laughs> but um, it, there will be some changes, and I think it's going to be for the best. So like I said before, on episode 50, Rob mentioned he's going to be taking some time off. He's been podcasting somewhere, I think, a little over 10 years and the guy has earned himself a nice little uh, vacation, a little hiatus from the microphone. He's dusty. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, his show, Pixelated Radio, that he had with, uh, with Corey and Rich and Mark, uh, you know, they kind of inevitably ended that show and uh, at least put a pin in it for now. So Rob's just taking some time off. He, he's missed a couple shows of ours, and he's enjoying just having some free time and, and just getting some stuff accomplished that he's been wanting to get and take care of. So we, uh, we can't wait to have him back. And he's not going to be gone forever. He's just taking some time away. So this kind of got me thinking and Preston and I talking a little bit. And and something I've always thought about was how when we first did the intro for our very first show, and it's it's the continued intro that we have, um, Preston, you had the dialogue that said, coming at you from the 37th parallel on the haunted highways of America – and in my head, I've always kind of had this idea that we're just on this this car ride, and it's just this three dudes in a car just kind of chatting and, and bullshitting about, you know, weird stuff, paranormal stuff. And we've always had some quips and some puns about, you know, driving and stuff throughout the shows. And it kind of made me think, man, it's kind of like we are in a big car, dude. Um, like you and I were just cruising down this old haunted highway, just bullshitting about this stuff. And, uh, now it's just the two of us and we've got this big old empty back seat on this car. And, uh, what kind of car do you think we're driving Preston? What kind of car are we cruising down with? A, uh, like a, I would say like a 1959 Cadillac with the giant fucking fins, <laughs> nice. you know, black with the tinted windows, like a, you know, like a men in black car. Hell yeah. Yeah. And no seat belts. No seatbelts. No seatbelts. Seat yeah, for this bumpy ride. So that means we've got a big old back seat now, and it's empty because, you know, Rob's – we dropped Rob off somewhere, and we'll pick him up eventually down the road. But uh, this is big old big-ass empty seat, and you and me cruising down the highway, and uh, we got to have someone to fill this back seat because we need another passenger. And we're not kicking all of Rob's shit out of the back seat. We're just sliding all that shit way over. 
and we're going to make room for a third seat. And and we've had a lot of people ask us, what's the future going to be like with Rob taking some time off? And we've got that empty seat. And, you know, we've had we've had Steve on here a couple times to help kind of fill that void. So first and foremost, we're going to welcome Steve officially onto the show. What up? So big, yeah, Thank big Steven. Yeah. Feel honored. First off, we're not in a men in black car. We're actually in a minivan. So, <laughs> <laughs> damn it! Oh, hell yeah, <laughs> yeah, man. You know, we we need somebody here. And Steve, you've always expressed interest in being on more, and you know, you've helped us out and and some binds we've had. And now that we kind of have an idea of what we're doing, man, we want to have you, you know, be more of an official part of the show. So we're gonna have you in that back seat with us for quite a few rides. I think. Cool. I'll do my best to uh, give some engaging conversations. Sometimes it's hard. It's hard for me to give. Uh, I don't know some advice and some just talking points on some of these subjects because I am a listener and a fan myself. So it's hard to be like, "Oh yeah, I totally know about this." <laughs> so I just right. sit there. Huh? Yeah, that was the fun part of the last episode. Was you know I'd be like, "So what do you think, Steve?" And you're just like. Fuck, I never heard of any of this shit. <laughs> so that's that's kind of a fun aspect of, of a third seat is the fact that like, you know, with Robin Preston and I, it's all pretty well balanced. And, you know, we all kind of know about the stuff we're talking about. But so this might add an interesting dynamic to the whole thing because you're not going to know about a lot of this. And you're going to have kind of a different uh, opinion, a different uh, eye on the situation than we do. So, yep. That'll be a lot of fun. But, I mean, and, and you've got your own show. You've got O oh, Indeed, and, and you and Brady are making that uh, bigger and better than ever. So with schedules, we're not always going to have a chance to have you on every episode per se. So mm-hmm. we're going to kind of have a revolving uh, third seat uh, per se. And we know we've had the old corn dog uh, Corey, on our show once in a while. Corey! <laughs> Fuck Corey. Fuck Corey. And we've been wanting to, he's been wanting to be on more lately too. And so when his schedule permits it and you know we can, we'll have Corey on. Corey might be in that back seat on a episode here and there. And then um the other half of Oh indeed, Brady has mentioned that now he's kind of got a new setup and kind of got it situated in his life and uh everything. So he's gonna want to be on a show every now and then too and then we've had a couple guys reach out and, and express like concern, literal literal concern about like, well, now that Rob's gone, like, what are you guys going to do? You're not going to have any you know, trouble filling that third seat. But uh, if you guys ever need somebody, maybe you know, give me a holler. So um, I got a couple guys that reached out recently to me um, without giving away who they are because they may want to have their anonymity. Um, one man is a Scotsman who wears a kilt, and the other guy used to go by the old uh, nickname of the Con Man, and I think Stephen knows who it is. Yeah. So yeah, looking forward to that. Having them, and we'll just we'll kind of see who else might join on every once in a while. But um, it's going to be fun. We're looking forward to kind of a new future. What we're going to be doing and, and shaking things up a bit. And uh, like we said earlier, Rob will still be on. It'll just be fewer and farther between um, that he'll be able to be on. But he's not gone forever. We just maybe might have put his shit in the trunk for now. <laughs> yeah, but no boinking. Listen, motherfucker, you sick to finding like sex robot stories and posting them on the webpage? <laughs> but you're not going to be on the show. <laughs> yeah, you never know. He could surprise <laughs> us when he comes back to Kansas, and we might get old boinking on here too. So, yeah, but that's kind of where we're at. You know, we, we're going to have this third seat because Preston and I, we love doing a show just the two of us. But sometimes we need a third opinion or a third person 
uh, to kind of somebody get us back on track from the endless rants that we do. (laughs) Right. Sometimes we need mom and dad in the back seat. (laughs) Nobody wants a three hour art show like art talk. No, you just got creepy Uncle Steven in the back seat. (laughs) 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 Oh, yeah. Good stuff. I'm the type of uncle uh, because I'm teaching my nephew. To say words like greasy and decent. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> that's fantastic. <laughs> yeah, you know what? Sometimes being an uncle is a pretty cool thing. Because mm-hmm. you get to teach people. You get to teach people. You can teach people if you want. Hey, I'm Uncle Sean. They just look at you like a creep. But no, being an uncle is kind of cool because you can teach the kids weird stuff. And then oh, you yeah. don't have to deal with it. You can just walk away. Like we watched uh, uh, the new It and he just loved it. He thought wow, it was great. Hell yeah. Yeah. He loves Start. it. He loves horror. <laughs> Start <laughs> him early, be. man. Hell yeah, dude. Preston, you let your little one uh watch any horror movies? Are you still kinda screening them a little bit? I don't know. I don't screen them at all. Like uh, <laughs> Blake uh Blake uh he he uh Addie not so much on it. Like she's like, I don't want to see the creepy clown, but then Blake saw the trailer. And then he was like, 20 fucking questions about this clown. Like, wow. why has he got a balloon? Why is he talking to Dre? Why does he the? I'm just like, maybe we should just sit down and watch this one. And is she, is she older or younger? No, they're both the same age. So they're both eight. And so. Oh, yeah. yeah. So I was, Man, I was wondered, like, and it's kind of off topic, but like when it comes to that, like, because I, I don't know, I'm really weird about, because uh, some people are like, oh, no, 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 you can't show them this or anything. Because like. I don't know. I'm not a parent, so I can't really say, like, this is what I do, you know, be one of them people. But, like, when I was younger, like, I just was, like, my uh, uncle brought over this video, and he's like, hey, check this out. And I watched it. I'm like, oh, this is awesome. Like, I think that kids, like, react off their parents a little bit of their yeah. reaction. Like, oh, no, 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 that's that's bad. That's bad. And then, like, gets this, like, buildup in them. But then mm-hmm. again, clowns are the weird thing because um, it said that, like, the reason why, like, little kids, they can't dissociate the constant smiling all the time because, like, mm-hmm, things mm-hmm. just don't normally just smile, smile, smile. Right. And, like, I don't know. It's just really weird. Like, I've never seen the scare of clowns, but so many people are terrified of them. It's weird. Yeah. It is. Shit, when I was a kid, uh, I watched The Predator and my dad. Uh, we watched Rambo together, all the Dirty Harrys, Beverly Hills Cop. We didn't care if it was R-rated. Yeah, like like tonight, I was <laughs> right. over I was over at Brady's house, and uh, one of one of his soon to be um, uh, stepkids was like, "I don't want to go out there. I've been seeing foxes. There's this fox," and I'm like, "A fox? Like, dude, I was your age. Like, dude, I already knew what I already knew what Penny was was, and, and Kruger was. You're worried about right. a fox? Like, <laughs> funny. It's funny you say that though, because I've seen a lot of foxes lately too. Like more than usual in the last like six months, I've seen probably four or five. And I don't think I've seen four or five foxes in the last 10 years. So, Yeah, it's a conspiracy, Sean. <clears throat> it yeah. might be. Well, you know, like they say, if you see a lot of owls, it's actually alien abduction. Oh, God. Get but me started. only big fucking owls, not little teeny tiny owls. Like if you see a three-foot <laughs> fucking owl, run right. that motherfucker over. You see a little yeah. baby owl, it's just a regular bird. Don't worry about it. <laughs> <There you go. laughs> and Sean's wife has the owl tattoo. So it's That's like, true, ah. dude. That was so fun, man. Yeah, my wife uh, <laughs> wife has basically, oh, for all intents and purposes, like a half-sleeve Harry Potter tattoo. And it was great because she really just wanted like a little owl, like maybe the size of like the palm of your hand maybe. And we went into the tattoo shop and uh tattoo artist, his name is Brian, was like, hey, if you give me some artistic liberties, you know, just let me take a stab at this and, you know. Um, she walks out her old fucking arms tatted. <laughs> no kid, yeah, yeah. He's like, hey, I'd like to have just you know, I'd like to do something different because I'm working on bigger pieces now. And so, like, it started off like 
boom, here is this owl. And we're like, holy shit, that is a big damn owl. And we're like, what else is this stuff? And there's like some floating candles. And he's like, all right, cool. So we're done here. And, you know, I want to have you come back in whatever it was, like uh, four or six, eight weeks or whatever. And then so she sit back down. He put the stencil back on and there'd be more shit, like a wand and the the glasses. And then the next time it was like books. And by the time it was done, it was like a half sleeve tattoo. And (laughs) It's pretty sweet. And it's been featured, right? What's that? Um, wasn't it featured on some official Facebook page? Oh, uh, I mean, Twitter it's, it's or on Addictions and in Ink Tattoo uh, Facebook page and Instagram. I don't know. I mean, I'm sure it's been featured other places by now, too. I don't know if it got published mm-hmm. or not, but <clears throat> it, was, yeah, it was a pretty cool deal. It's pretty sick. Yeah, Brian and Brian, and they, they all do a really great job, Brian and Jason and everybody. So, but yeah, I mean, back to the whole censorship thing, real quick. I watched co- comic books. I read comic books. I watched horror movies all the time growing up, man. I was probably five and my grandma started showing me stuff fright night the original fright night and (laughs) we've talked about it before like we'd go to grandma's and mom would say all right no junk food no horror movies blah 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 and then like they'd pull out of the driveway and she pulls out all this junk food and like vhs recordings of horror movies and she'd buy (laughs) horror movies (laughs) your grandma's like grandma's like she closes the curtains and she's like, fuck your parents. <laughs> it's like we're getting down. Yeah. It was, it was that classic grandma move of like, That's wink, awesome. wink, don't tell. Grandma's yeah. an OG. Yeah, man. And so I watched all sorts of horror. And then like back at home, you know, mom and dad would say, don't watch any scary movies. And I'd sneak upstairs and watch, you know, Friday the 13th on TNT or USA with the volume turned all the way down, man. So yeah. that's a rite of passage. And, you know, you've got your uncles and your your grandparents and everything. And they're always showing you just a little bit more than you weren't supposed to watch at home. And I remember laying on the couch once watching Dune or Enemy Mine or something like that uh, in my mm. uncle's house. Both great movies. Yeah. I had, I had you know, one eye closed and one eye open watching this thing. And I was terrified, but I couldn't quit watching it. So... <laughs> Well, we should get back on topic, or we can just keep going on forever. This is why we need you, Steve, to keep us on topic. <laughs> All right. I'm the one who started it. But. I was going to say, but instead, <laughs> you started the whole damn thing. Um, So a couple, I don't know, like what, three, four, five episodes ago, you were talking about how, you know, you were listening to this song, this Dave Matthews song, you know, Cyrus Jones lived 100 years. Yeah, blah, Grave blah, Digger. Blah, and, and it just got stuck in your head, and then, like, uh, you know, the next day, you're like, I met a guy named Cyrus, and it was just like a synchronicity, because I was listening to this song. So the same thing kind of happened to me, you know, after we did this episode of Aliens, uh, the very next day, I was abducted. flipping <laughs> Yeah, I was flipping through Netflix, and I found this documentary that was like, uh, you know, Aliens, uh, the Contact Now, or something like that. Uh-huh. And I was like, fuck it, I ain't got nothing else to do, so let's watch it. And the hotline for aliens, obviously. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, it had it was going through like different possible scenarios of how we could be communicating with aliens and when it all started. Mm-hmm. And it brought up radio signals because we've been since uh, the the Olympics with uh, that were in Berlin that, you know, the famous, you know, Hitler's like nine, nine, nine. It's a pretty good rating in the Olympics. Three nine. And they transmitted that into outer space. Yeah, yeah, yeah. perfect. And uh, so, you know, they talked about how, like, you know, the first radio transmissions that anybody's ever going to receive is going to be from, you know, Hitler. And there's all these mysterious radio signals that keep 
that people will pick up. And so is it, you know, transmissions from outer space from uh-huh. actual aliens or is it just radio signals that have bounced back from a satellite or bounced back from like a, you know, like another planetary object and they're just now coming back to earth and like reaching, you know, reaching us. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so they they talked about these two signals uh, that uh, first started in uh, like the '60s, like 1966, hmm. and it was called the UB776 or the buzzer. And uh, a lot of your amateur radio builders that would build like the ham radios and would you know search the airways, the AM frequencies. Mm-hmm. They, they came across this repeating beep that was 25 tones per minute, and it did it 24 hours a day continuously. And huh. halfway through, it would break off, and then this Russian voice would come on and like, you say something in Russian, and then it would start beeping again. And so nobody could ever track down that source. Like, where was this Russian radio signal coming from and who were they, you know, broadcasting it to? Nobody, even to this day, has that answer. And the last time somebody was able to hone in on that frequency was 2012. Um, That was the last time that anybody had ever heard from it. Also, during this time period, there was a similar what they called the buzzer from Great Britain, where it would be a series of beeps. And then this, you know, sexy British lady voice would come on and would say something and then it would beep again. And the same thing, it it was a continuous broadcast. Mm -hmm. Nobody could know track from where it came from. But even till this day, up until like 2012, you could still search, you know, just hone in on it and just mysteriously find it. But nobody knows what it was for and where it was going. And so this documentary, it, it theorized that maybe that uh, the British government or even the Russian government was trying to communicate with, uh, you know, aliens at that time. Oh, right. And then I'll get back to this other mysterious radio signal here in a minute, but going forward with synchronicities, uh, Super Bowl, you know, Yay sports, meet me and you, <laughs> right. you know, not big football fans. So I, I didn't watch the Super Bowl. I'm like, fuck Tom Brady. I don't give a shit about the Patriots. And so we were just, you know, me and Jeffrey were chilling on the couch and she fell asleep and I was watching Ancient Aliens and they were talking about uh, MJ-12, the Majestic 12, which uh, were these prominent figures throughout history that were in charge of covering up, you know, aliens, uh, uh, like uh, Roswell, okay, uh-huh. um, alien communications, anything like that, and they were throughout the CIA, FBI, a couple presidents. So your top people that are running the government, the twelve top people, they were in the secret what they call like you know the black government that were running all these different operations. And you know we talked about last episode Marilyn Monroe. You know, corn around and maybe getting a little bit too much info out of JFK. So they, you know, maybe possibly, you know, faked a suicide for her to get her to shut up. And then, well, we got to take care of uh, JFK because, you know, he was wanting to run his mouth. There is an actual document that they showed on this episode of uh, Ancient Aliens that was correspondence from somebody, MJ1 Uh to MJ11. That said, we need to shut Kennedy up. He's wanting to talk to the Russians. Make it wet. And make it wet was a 
Yeah, yeah. Make it wet was a phrase Greasy. that they used in that time phrase or that time that that time period mm-hmm. for basically kill them. Because if you make it wet, you, like you cut their throat, and it's blood. So anytime that you would see "make it wet," that was an acronym or whatever for just kill them, get rid of them. And really? so I thought that that yeah, I thought like, oh my god, we just talked about this on the show about maybe JFK did get assassinated for running his mouth about aliens, but. And, here they they show this MJ12 document. <laughs> right. There's like fuck it. He's running his mouth to the Russians. He's going to tell the Russians all of our secrets. Fucking kill him. Make it wet. So Ooh. that's that's what they did. That's so. great. The whole uh, back at the first story you were talking about with the the video that you showed us with the radio transmission the stuff. Yeah, yeah. Is that like them? Like did they theorize that back in the day, like Russians or whoever would just send out this signal just out into space. Yeah, ha- okay. it, it, or the you know to some pinpoint in space, and because the, you know there was twenty five tones that they were mathematically trying yeah. to say something, so that they could transmit information back and forth. But they do that. They do that now, right? Do they like send out satellites with just like pop culture things and yeah, weird yeah. like There's famous that, writings uh, and stuff like that. What was it? The uh, the uh, uh, Shit, I can't think of it, but it's got the gold disc on it that's like a record, and it's yeah. got like a p- picture of a man and a woman on it, and then the, you know it's got all these different mathematical measurements oh, yeah. and whatnot. Yeah, uh-huh. it's yeah, got yeah. Eight, uh, what's his name's uh, Einstein's formula and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah it's crazy. Yeah, yeah. It's got like the oh, there's some music on there too, and there's some other like languages, like a bunch of greetings in a bunch of different languages and stuff like that, man. Huh. And it's uh, it's got uh, I think like Beethoven's fourteenth, fifteenth sympathy on there, or whatever. Do you call it you the fifth sympathy? <laughs> yeah. uh, I'm so sorry. Yeah. Truly, very sorry for your loss. For the fifteenth time, I'm sorry you have to listen to this. <laughs> oh. Well, man, that's crazy. And remember, we talked about yeah. the Max Hedrum uh, broadcast interference yeah. too that happened a while back. I got it, by the way. What, Steve? The Voyager, the Voyager Golden Weapon. Yeah, it's called. Oh, really? It's loading so freaking slow. Ugh. <laughs> so speak. So speaking of Max, uh-huh. something very similar happened. When, when was that? That was Max was eighty five, eighty six. Um, the incident happened in November of eighty seven. Eighty seven. Mm-hmm. Okay, so ten years prior to that, over in Great Britain, mm-hmm. November twenty sixth, nineteen seventy seven. It was a deep, cold night in England, and everybody was gathered around the telly to watch their favorite news broadcast, and the children were waiting for the news broadcast to get over because right after that, Looney Tunes was on, and they're sitting there, and they're listening to the news, and all of a sudden, this crackly sound just kind of appears out of nowhere, and this voice says, This is the voice of Brilliant. A representative of the Ashtar Galactic Command speaking to you. For many years, you have seen us as lights in the sky. We speak to you now in peace and wisdom. And we have done to you, you, your brothers and sisters all over this, your planet Earth. We come to you as a warning of... Wait, hold on. (laughs) Goddamn, alien can't write, right? Hold on. We come to warn you of the destiny of your race and your world so that you may communicate to your fellow beings the course that you may take to avoid the disaster which threatens your world. And this begins our world around you. This is in order that you may share the great awakening as the planet passes into the new age of Aquarius. 
The new age can be a time of great peace and evolution for your race, but only if you blah, blah, and it just keeps going, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So he's reminds got this. Me, reminds me of Back to the Future when Marty dresses up as that alien coming oh, to yeah, yeah. mess with George. <laughs> <laughs> so a quick side note. Uh, when I was reading this earlier, uh, Jeffrey had looked up because she said uh, the age of Aquarius. That sounds familiar. It's the dawning and of the age of Aquarius. Yeah. So the fifth dimension in 1969 wrote a song called the age of Aquarius. Yeah. So I don't know. Maybe aliens. Maybe somebody was just, you know, copywriting music yeah. earlier yeah, on. Yeah. The but anyways... So after after this voice had cut in and interrupted for over like five or ten minutes, the the government, the British government, was so freaked out that because they, they couldn't figure out how this happened, like they they couldn't trace it, and there was hardly anybody that had the technology capable of doing it. So the the equipment that you would use to be able to do this, they uh-huh. there was no sales. It's not something you can you know build in your house. So somebody would have to buy this, but they couldn't track it. They couldn't find out who it was, and there was only like two or three radio towers in the the whole you know United Kingdom that you could go to. But there was no trace that anybody had been there, had messed with it, had done anything. And you know, here in the here in the United States, like when somebody uh, like the Patterson Gimli film, like everybody stepped forward yeah. and said, "I was there. I, you know, I helped uh, fake that 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 video, and uh, I, I helped fake those cast in, of Bigfoot." And you know, everybody steps forward and says that they, they helped. But nobody stepped forward even to this day and said, "Yes, I was the one that you know faked this transmission." So it freaked the the British government out so much that they actually passed a law uh, that made it illegal to tamper with any radio or any television transmission that would land you a fine of 500,000 pounds and 20 years in prison. Wow. Yeah. That's why uh, I just learned about that thing back, I think it was the 90s or was the 80s or 90s where like they put that thing on the TV with that guy with like the bleach blonde hair and stuff. Remember that? Yeah, it was Max Headroom. Yeah. yeah, yeah. They hacked that thing and put it on there. That's crazy. I never knew about that yeah. until just like the last year. Because like, uh, <laughs> yeah, they were I... talking about Eminem video and he like parried it in, in that in that in that video. Oh, okay, yeah. Can't yeah, remember yeah. what song uh-huh. it's for, but I was like, oh damn, that's that's crazy. I didn't even know that was a that was a thing. Yeah, it, they uh, they broke into the middle of a broadcast in like Chicago. I think it was like the news or yeah, like it tripped a lot of people out. Like the it was like yeah. a. Newer age version of the War of the World scare, like <laughs> it kind of was. Yeah. You're exactly right. Yeah. That's pretty much exactly what it was. He, uh, I forget what all happened, but it involved him like getting spanked with a fly swatter yeah. by somebody else, and yeah. he just kept saying all this weird shit. Yeah, and, strangest shit, man. Yeah, look it out. Look it. Look it up, and and see what happened. I guess later that night, around eleven fifteen p.m., they were watching uh, an episode of Doctor Who. And the same person came back on, I guess. This and Virilian? they said, <laughs> or are you talking about Max Headroom? Max Headroom. Oh, okay. He came back on and he's like, uh, said something like that. Does it? He's a freaking nerd <laughs> talking about, uh, I guess Dr. Who or whatever. And then he started saying weird shit like catch the wave, which was Coke's new, uh, slogan and he's holding like a pepsi can and i guess uh, hedrum was a coca-cola spokesperson and all this stuff and uh flipped off the middle finger to the camera started singing some weird stuff songs and it's just really weird 
But uh, I was I was going to point out in this Virilian, he uh, talks about how uh, we need to give in to peace, love, so that we can pass into the higher realms of spiritual evolution. And yeah, I, I don't know. It was it, all the stuff he, that he talks about, you know, especially uh, being a, a being from a Sagittarius or whatever, like that, that stuff that alien abductees and cults have talked about later on. So, you know, you, uh-huh. uh, the, the Nordics or whatever are supposed to be from the Pleiades or, you know, certain constellation and things like that. So the stuff that they were that this what? broadcast was talking about <laughs> then caught on later in the uh-huh. decade. So it kind of makes you think that maybe there might be something to it. I don't know. That I mean, the fucking speech goes on forever, and I don't want to sit there and read all of it. So just fucking YouTube <laughs> it, and look it up. So. Oh right, 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 right. It almost makes well, me feel nice. like uh, what's that uh, Heaven's Gate cult or the guy that drank the Kool Aid? I feel like this is a speech one Jim of Jones. those guys would give. Mm-hmm. Yeah, give in to love, been, give in to peace, to the <laughs> higher dimension of yourself. <laughs> yeah. Throw down yeah. your weapons, brothers. <laughs> drink the Kool Aid. <laughs> well, you know that's kind of that's kind of what happened. What what year did that happen? That broadcast, nineteen seventy seven. 77. Oh, who was president in 77? Jimmy Carter. Jimmy Carter. Okay, cool. I mean, I yeah, don't know. I'm just guessing. <laughs> no, I think uh, I think you're right. Jimmy Carter, Jimmy <clears throat> Carter, Jimmy Carter. Who's the president? In my notes. It was. In 77, it was Jimmy Carter. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's in my notes right now, actually. It was Jimmy Carter. <laughs> um, so, I mean, that's that, that message is very similar to what we talked about last time. So let's let's give a quick recap. Um, previously on Pixelated Paranormal, um, we talked about how President Truman made like a midnight trip with his best friend and bodyguard to the Roswell crash and basically told the government to get your act together and clean your shit up and nobody told about him. He had a body double and, you know, while he gave a speech, you know, to the White House, he was actually at the same time like in Roswell, New Mexico. Then we had talked about how Eisenhower um, had met with... I don't know if it was Palladians or what, but it was with some aliens and there was a Play-Doh pact and basically some really nice aliens came and said, hey, you're going to be visited by another party of aliens and they're basically wolves in sheep's clothing and you should put down all your weapons and be nice to each other and all you need is love and blah, blah, blah. And then the Greys showed up and they're like, yeah, those guys are really lame and how about some fast cars and some big guns? And so, you know, Uncle Ike sold our souls to those devils by saying, yeah, you can, you know, abduct a hundred people a year and do experiments if I can have those sweet ass UFOs and they're like deal. And then uh, we moved on to JFK and how JFK had a quick fling with um, Marilyn Monroe. And during that time he had given her some UFO secrets and she became jaded after not only JFK, but his brother as well dumped her and she threatened to expose everything and then the government probably had her murdered. She actually didn't die of an overdose. And then a little while later, JFK says, oh, fuck, I need to find out everything I can about aliens. So he sends some letters to the higher ups and demands to find out the truth and the secrets. And then lo and behold, he uh, was you know, infamously murdered mm-hmm, mm-hmm. during the parade. And there you go. And a spray of pink mist. He was no more. Make it wet. Bam. Okay, so we'll get back um, with our next three presidents and their strange behavior, starting right after JFK, 
with old Uncle Richie. That's right. Richard Nixon, right? So Richard Nixon, he comes in as our 37th president of the U.S., running from 1969 to 1974. And you guys remember, um, was he really from 1969 to 74? Yeah, Vietnam War, baby. Yeah, but I thought thought they had the whole Watergate scandal that cut his uh, tenure short. Uh, oh, well, that shows how good a note yeah, I did. Well. <laughs> Richard Nixon, I am not a crook. Yeah, exactly. Tricky Dick Nixon. <laughs> Ricky Dick Nixon. I like that. Oh, Uncle Ricky Dick. So even though Nixon's presidency was cut short because of the rocky, infamous Watergate scandal, there were still a number of different UFO-related things that happened. And one of them is kind of like, okay, whatever. And the other one's kind of neat. So listen here. Um, first of all, Nixon kind of had the spoils of launching a rocket into the outer space realm and landing on the moon dropped in his lap because we know JFK was the guy boasting we were going to have somebody go to outer space Mm -hmm. and land on the moon. And then, of course, he was uh, assassinated. And then Nixon got into office and he was the president at the helm when Apollo 11 uh, went off without a hitch and we touched down on the moon. And President Nixon said, this is the greatest week in history of all the world. And not only did he, you know, get to get the credit for being the president to have the Apollo 11 mission happen, he also shoved a deep, dark dagger in the back of ufologists and UFO fanatics around the world in 1969 when he officially closed down Project Blue Book. And you boys are probably familiar with Blue Book, but in case you're not, or especially our listeners... Um, this was a really big deal. Project Blue Book was a really big project, a really big investigation into UFOs um, that started back in like 1952. And it was actually the third in a series of studies with basically two goals to determine if UFOs were going to be a threat to our national security and also to scientifically analyze UFO related data and incidents. And Project Blue Book is a hot topic. You can Google it. You can go online, look it up. There's tons of books. It's all pretty boring if you're looking for like really cool UFO alien stories. But what it's important for is the very reason um, of just trying to figure out what the hell UFOs were. And we spent a lot of time and a lot of money on this thing. Also that, you know, Ricky Dick Nixon could come into the office and say, yeah, you guys are a bunch of nerds wasting a bunch of your time. And I'm just going to put the kibosh on the whole mother flipping thing. So in December of 1969, by Nixon's authority, the U.S. Air Force put a halt to Project Blue Book and came out with a final conclusion that no UFO reported, investigated, and evaluated by the Air Force was ever an indication that it had a threat to our national security. There were no evidences submitted or discovered by the Air Force that sightings categorized as unidentified flying objects represented technological developments or principles beyond the range of modern science, our knowledge, and also no evidence has ever indicated that these sightings or crafts were ever extraterrestrial vehicles. So by the time Project Blue Book ended, it collected over 12,000 UFO reports and concluded and concluded that most of them were misidentifications of natural phenomenon, a.k.a. clouds, um, blah, blah, swamp gas, blah, blah, bird farts, and also that they were mostly misidentifications of reconnaissance planes, U-2s, and also A-12s, 
However, a small percentage of UFO reports were classified as unexplained, and later during the Freedom of Information Act, some cases and information and names were blacked out and redacted. Ooh. So it seems kind of ironic Shady. that Ricky Dick Nixon... It's, I love that it, name. it doesn't mean anything. It's just uh, it's refracted light <laughs> from Uranus. <laughs> oh, man. So, yeah, that was ironic. He went through a lot of uh, steps to get that thing shut down really quick. But at the same time, you know, they had a lot of redactions in there, which is kind of normal. So on December 9th, 1969, a major Coleman von Kavitsky, head of the... <gasps> International Galactic Spacecraft UFO Research and Analytic Network, <laughs> also known as ICUFON, submits a proposal to Ricky Dick Nixon requesting that the United States government send a representative to a World Congress for the international consideration of non-terrestrial spacecraft operation. Ricky Dick said, uh, hey... Go represent me, Mr. Robert C. Simmons Jr., and just tell him to buzz off, you fucking nerd. And this guy comes out and says, there's no evidence that UFOs are extraterrestrial. Now buzz off. But all that boring shit doesn't have to be the end of our story for Ricky Dick, because that's not where his alien story ends. But it is where we introduce Jackie Gleason into our story. And you guys familiar with old Jackie Gleason out there? He was one of the most celebrated comedians and actors in the early 20th century, and he was famous for doing the Jackie Gleason show. He was on a bunch of other different movies and TV shows. He was a big to-do in The Honeymooners, and he also played the character of Ralph Cramden in all three of the original Smokey and the Bandit movies and right around in the 50s. So... Jackie Gleason and President Nixon apparently had a lot of stuff in common. They were both avid supporters of the FBI. I guess apparently Gleason worked in the FBI towards the end of his uh, life. And also Ricky Dick had applied in April 1937 to become an agent for the FBI as well. So they both had a lot of respect for our FBI. Uh, they were both avid golfers. They became best buddies and started golfing together, and uh, Nixon would show up and support a lot of Gleason's fundraisers and big golf tournaments and stuff like that. But they were also big, big collectors of UFO and paranormal books, hmm. which is really strange that Nixon decided to put the Nicks on Project Blue Book. See what I did there? Yeah. In reality, he was actually a pretty big UFO buff. So... In a biography written by William A. Henry III, he says Jackie Gleason had a lifelong fascination with supernatural. Everything that Shirley MacLaine was to explore in her exotic life and best-selling books had already been done by Gleason. <coughs> I believe Shirley MacLaine was his wife, if I remember right. Sorry if I got that fact wrong. Um, he would spend small fortunes on anything from financing psychic research to buying sealed boxes containing actual ectoplasm, <laughs> which people believe to be the spirit of life itself. And if you'll buy that, he would contact everyone from back alley charlatans to serious researchers like J.B. Ryan of Duke University. He was a frequent insomniac and spent lots of late nights reading his UFO and paranormal books. So, in 1973, President Nixon takes a trip to Florida, 
And on the 19th, he meets up around the 18th hole during the Enervous Golf and Country Club with Jackie Gleason. And he shows up to kind of help out with this charity golf tournament. And they get to palling around and stuff like that, become good buds. And after they finish out their game of golf, they just basically say, they're all see you laters, hasta la vistas, and they go about their separate ways. And Gleason goes home excited, and he's all like, hey, babe, just spent the evening playing golf with, uh, you know, President Nixon, no big whoop. And that was that. But what's pretty rad is the story doesn't end there because later that night, apparently President Nixon, in the heat of the night, the dead of midnight, shows up by himself and knocks on Jackie Gleason's door. And what happens next puts Gleason into a drunken stupor until he can manage to get his life together and wrap his head around what Nixon showed him, which changed his life forever. So we fast forward a little ways to 1987, and we introduce this dude named Larry Warren, who had an encounter with Jackie Gleason, to which Jackie Gleason gave him the entire details of what happened. And why Gleason is important, or... (laughs) Why Warren is important is he was um, a big to-do with some of the sightings of the Rendlesham Forest UFO incident over in England. Mm -hmm. And he had a lot of like CNN specials and TV specials and stuff like that. So people get those two together and Gleason shows a really keen interest in talking to this Warren guy. And he says basically one night or one day rather – Um, He shows up over at Gleason's house and they go down into his rec room complete with pool table and full size bar. And what this guy says basically is there's hundreds of UFO books everywhere, paranormal books, ghost books, all sorts of crazy stuff to which Gleason says, oh, those are uh, pretty cool, but that's only a tiny portion of my entire collection. So these two get kind of comfy and Larry kind of probes him a little bit about his knowledge and Gleason kind of wows him with, you know, just the smallest details of really famous cases, including cases that were in Clear Intent and also Sky Crash, two two British books that were also about, I believe, Rendlesham Forest uh, and the UFO crash there. But after a couple highballs, a couple beers and a couple um, cocktails – Warren says that Jackie starts to get pretty comfortable and then just jumps right in to uh, some pretty astonishing shit. Uh, Once they get good and tight, Gleason leans over and says, all right, here it is. And he kind of looks over his shoulder, making sure no one's listening and says, we got him. And Larry says, we got what? And Gleason says, aliens, breathlessly. We've got aliens. So... According to Gleason, what, here's what happened. After they close the golfing game that evening and he goes home, around midnight, there's a knock on the door. And he says, see, Nixon and I had a pretty keen interest in UFOs and aliens. And I didn't realize as much because Nixon always had a lot of people around him, a lot of guards, a lot of uh, you know, supervision. And he always felt like he's being overprotected. One of the things Nixon oftentimes said was he couldn't pick his nose without somebody taking a note. And actually in 1973, he went to great deals to even cut part of his detail by one third because he felt like he had too many guards. So late that night around midnight, there's a knock on the door. And he opens the door and it's President Nixon. 
But he said what's strange is he's all by himself for a change. There's no secret service. There's no guards. There's nobody else but him. Which would never happen. And, right. And he says, Mr. President, what are you doing here? And he said that he wanted Gleason to come with him because he wanted to take him somewhere and show him something. So Gleason gets into the car, just like a Hollywood movie, and they speed off into the darkness of midnight to their destination of Homestead Air Force Base. And he says, we pull up to this gate, and this young MP comes to the car and says, hey, you know, state your business, blah, 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 seizes the president, shits his pants, and just kind of points and lets the president go about his way. <laughs> so they drive their way to the back corner of this base, and they go into this hangar. And, you know, security kind of swarms the area trying to see who it is. They see it's President Nixon, and they all just kind of buzz off. And as they're walking through – they pass several different labs with all sorts of bubbling beakers and all sorts of frosted windows and everything else going on. And the president points over to some large cases and says, see that in there? That's where some of the wreckage from a flying saucer actually is. And they kind of make some jokes and blah, blah, blah. He says, next, we go into an inner chamber and there were six or eight of what looked like glass top Coke freezers. And so Nixon says, OK, I want you to come over here and take a look at this. And inside these freezers are what Gleason describes to be the dead remains of children. What? Except he said what was really strange is, number one, these children, these child's bodies, only had three to four fingers on their hands and not five. Hmm, weird. But what was even stranger is when he finally gets up to the glass and looks in at one of them, these tiny children, as he calls them, looked old and wrinkly, almost like they were old people, but they were still kind of young at the same time. And so um, the, the end of the story is I forgot whether or not the president said they had three or four fingers, but what I do know is these things weren't human, not of this earth, most certainly. And then apparently for three or four weeks following the trip, he just fucking drank himself into the stupor. He couldn't sleep. He couldn't eat. And he was pretty well traumatized for the rest of uh, those two or three weeks until he finally got a grip on what was going on. And that's when President Nixon asked Dr. Manhattan to kill the Russians. <laughs> oh, that's funny. That's good stuff. So, yeah, I don't know if there's any water in that story, but apparently President Nixon – Swindled Jackie Gleason away one night and took him to a secret bunker and showed him some top secret alien remains. Freaking weird. I wonder if uh, it was one of the lizard people. <laughs> it could have been, man. Who knows? But yeah, that was what was always ironic about President Nixon is the fact that he, you know, pun intended, put the Nicks on the uh, the Blue Book project, but at the same time was an avid UFO fanatic. And then again, it's one of those classic stories of a president befriending somebody famous and then that famous person's world being completely rocked by some weird-ass UFO knowledge. Mm. Yeah, interesting. It's crazy. Yeah. So after that, we go on to Mr. President number 39, Jimmy Carter. 19, uh, 1977 to 1981, and we're going to briefly talk about the Jimmy Carter UFO incident. So two years before he became the governor of Georgia, in 1969, Carter was preparing to give a speech to a Lions Club meeting 
At about 7.15 p.m., one of the guests hollers out, Jimmy, take a look at this. And they look out the window, and they see a really strange object um, about 30 degrees above the horizon to the west, right around, you know, in the direction they were standing. And Carter describes seeing a bright white light being about as bright as the moon. He says that the object seemed to have noticed them and stopped, but focused its attention exactly where the people were standing in this building. Um, just beyond some pine trees, just beyond the distance. The object then says to have had changed its color, first from blue, then to red, and then back to white, before appearing to recede into the distance. And Carter felt that the object itself was self-illuminated and solid in its nature. And then, of course, he recites that probably 10 or 12 people were in the same room with him. All of them saw the object. So what's interesting here is that in 1973, he says, uh, and this is, you know, still a little bit before he was the old prez. No, actually, yeah, he yeah, was before he was president. He says, there were about 20 of us standing outside of this little restaurant, I believe, a high school lunchroom of sorts. And this kind of green light appears in the western sky. This was right after sundown. It got brighter and brighter, and then eventually it disappeared. It faded in on itself. It didn't have any solid substance to it. It was just very peculiar, a strange-looking light. None of us could understand what it was. And what's interesting about a lie is that the longer time goes, it's harder and harder for you to actually you know, maintain your lie. It's easier to keep track of fact than fiction. So again, what's strange is in 2005, Carter states during an interview, all of a sudden, one of the men looked up and said, hey, look over to the west. And there it was, a bright light in the sky. We all saw it. Then the light, it got closer and closer to us, then it stopped. I don't know how far away it was, but it stopped just beyond the pine trees. All of a sudden, it changed its color from blue to red and then back to white. We're trying to figure out what in the world it could be, and then it just simply receded into the distance. So that's kind of interesting to me that your story's pretty much the same from 1973 to 2005. But, I mean, you can train someone to lie. You can train yourself to bullshit. Mm -hmm. But it is kind of a cool little factoid there. So going back to, you know, when he was going to be president, after what he saw, he changed his mind and he publicly said during his 1976 election campaign, one thing's for sure, I'll never make fun of anybody who says they've seen a UFO in the sky. If I become president, I will make sure every piece of information this country has about UFO sightings will be available to the public and to our scientists. And so there you go. Full disclosure, right? Mm. Wrong. Mm. Yeah, despite his earlier pledge, once he was elected, Carter distanced, <laughs> distanced himself from disclosure, citing many defense implications as being behind his decision not to go forward with disclosure. So you've got a dude who went years and years and years, even after being a president, talking about a UFO, but something or someone changed his mind and he never really talked about it, never dove into it after he became president. It's crazy. Tricky, tricky, right? Tricky, mm -hmm. tricky, like old Ricky. <laughs> <laughs> you love it. <laughs> oh man. Okay, and so the the last president I found some really interesting dirt on as far as UFOs go was Ronald Reagan, our 40th president, 
who ran from 1981 into 1989, serving a double term. This boy ran for eight years. Mm-hmm. And a little interesting fact, if you didn't know before, before he was president, Ronald Reagan was a radio announcer and also a Hollywood actor before he was the president. And he was also an avid science fiction fanboy and potentially a nutball. So his famous quote here is, Perhaps we need some outside universal threat to make us recognize this common bond. I occasionally think how quickly our differences worldwide would vanish if we were facing an alien threat from outside this world. Which is a very odd thing to say, especially if you're a president, right? Because we have what you call them, MJ-12s or whatever. Yeah, 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 MJ-12. Yeah, making sure no one's really, you know, outspoken against UFOs or against, you know, alien technology and stuff like that. So, But what's interesting here is old Ronnie Reagan had a few UFO sightings of his own, which just amped up his full belief in science fiction, UFOs, and aliens. So... Lucille Ball, in her book, Lucy in the Afternoon, see, we're dropping more celebrities here, talks Lucy in the sky, (laughs) diamonds. She describes in her book an event that really left her feeling kind of peculiar. Here at Pixelated Paranormal, we're experiencing technical difficulties. And for that, we apologize. Well, that was weird, guys. We just lost Stephen. Apparently, Cox Communications went out in his neighborhood. So, well, we're going to wrap it up with our last presidential debacle here. And that is number 40, President number 40, Ronald Reagan. 1981 to 1989, he was a double-term president. He got to serve us twice. Yeah, and he was also a radio announcer and Hollywood actor before becoming the president, as well as a big, avid sci-fi fan, sci-fi fan fiction, <laughs> a avid sci-fi fanboy. Oh, because you'll see that old Ronnie Reagan had a couple UFO sightings of his own. So, our first one, of course, has to involve another celebrity, Lucille Ball. And in I Love Lucy's book, Lucy in the Afternoon, she describes an event where she was at a dinner party and Ron and Nancy Reagan were expected for this casual party, but they're running kind of late. Everybody had shown up except for the Reagans. And about half an hour later, after the party started, they came flying in the door, uh, you know, breathing heavy out of breath, saying, we just saw a UFO. They saw it out in the field, you know, above the field flying as they were on their way into this dinner party. And it was just all the talk of the rest of the evening. Holy shit, we saw flying saucer. So it was more impressive than uh, Del Toro's saucer because he was like, dude, this is fucking shit. (laughs) (laughs) Right? (laughs) No kidding. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So the second sighting is a little more interesting and has a little bit more water to it. So, um In 1974, while Ronald Reagan was still the governor, one week after the sighting, Reagan relates this story to Norman C. Miller, the then Washington bureau chief for the Wall Street Journal, and later this guy becomes the editor of the L.A. Times. And he tells Mr. Miller, I was on a plane last week, 
and I looked out the window. I saw this white light. It was zigzagging around, and I went up to the pilot and said, Have you seen anything like this before? The pilot was shocked, and he just said, Nope. And I said to him, Let's follow it. So we followed this thing for several minutes. It was brighter than a white light. We followed it to Bakersfield, and then all of a sudden, to our utter amazement, it went straight up into the heavens and disappeared. Once we got off the plane, I told Nancy all about it. And apparently this pilot, um, the pilot of then-Governor Reagan, was Bill Paytoner, or Bill Painter, I guess you'd pronounce his name, and he backs up the story with Reagan and pretty much tells an identical story. He says, I was the pilot of the plane when I saw the UFO. Also on board were Governor Reagan and a couple of his security people. We were flying a Cessna Citation. It was maybe 9 or 10 o'clock at night. We were near Bakersfield when Governor Reagan and all the others called to my attention a big flying light that was right behind the plane. It appeared to be several hundred yards away. It was a fairly steady light until it began to accelerate. Then it appeared to elongate. The light took off. It went up at a 45-degree angle at a height-rate speed. At a high-rate speed. Everyone on the plane was surprised. Governor Reagan expressed a lot of amazement. I told the others I didn't know what it was. The UFO went from a normal cruise speed to a fantastic speed instantly. If you give it, if you give an airplane power, it will accelerate, but not like that. Not like a hot rod and not going straight up. We didn't follow a report on the object because for a long time they considered you a nut job if you saw a UFO. Huh, kind of huh. weird. And I guess apparently, you know, from time to time, Painter and Reagan would bring this up in casual conversation as the whole like, oh, man, you remember that time we saw you? Now, uh, was Reagan the one that uh, started the uh, Star Wars project? Man, I think so. It was either Reagan or Nixon. I want to say Reagan started the Star Wars yeah. project. Which you can look that up sometime. Um, we're not going to get into that on this episode because it's already been you know long enough here. But um, there's more to old Ronnie Reagan here, which involves an undying request from the past. Preston, Ooh. on September 28th, 1981, the now President Ronald Reagan receives a letter from Major Coleman von Kavitsky. He was the one who reached out to Nixon and wanted him to send out, you know, somebody to a United Nations conference or whatever, World Congress, representing the ICUFON. And he said the group held that UFOs represented an an intergalactic task force that will destroy Earth unless the world leaders band together and end their hostile actions against UFOs. The subject of the letter that he sent to Ronald Reagan was pretty much the same as last time. It says, I see UFO in Inc. and its joint U.S. and foreign UFO research organizations request that you, as the president of the U.S. and the highest commander of its military forces, take the initial steps for a solution of the decade-long suppressed first and foremost vital international and security problem. The extraterrestrial UFO forces earthbound operation being validated by the U.S. and all the nations 
military forces. So that's interesting. This whole time, man, for well over 10 years, this old bird is still at it, man. He's still trying to find some president who's going to listen to him and start up this new group and, you know, kick down the door of the United Nations and all these, you know, grandiose meetings and say, guys, there's UFOs. We have to come together. Can you imagine if, if uh, this happened uh, like now with Donnie as president? He's like, fuck those aliens. My button's bigger. I put my finger on that button. <laughs> aliens. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. That's uh, probably not far from the truth of what could happen. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> but if that stuff wasn't weird enough, um, <clears throat> this even gets kind of stranger. On June 27th, 1982, one year after Reagan entered the White House, Ronnie Reagan made one of his most famous alien remarks when he hosted none other than Steven Spielberg in the White what? House. Yeah, Steven Spielberg was at the White House to present a private screening of his soon-to-be-released movie, E.T., The Extraterrestrial. Along with the Reagans and Spielberg, about 35 other people were invited to the special screening. Including in the list of distinguished guests were Supreme Court Justice Sandra Day O'Connor. The event started with a reception in the Blue Room, where the Reagans met with the invited guests. From there, the group moved to the Red Room, where the presidential party had dinner. At 8.22 p.m. in the White House Theater, the movie E.T. began. And I guess apparently Spielberg says that the movie was one that so moved the Reagans. Nancy Reagan was crying towards the end of the movie. And Spielberg says, President Reagan looked like a 10-year-old kid. Now here's what gets kind of strange. Following the screening of the president... Following the screening, the president leans over and he kind of pats Spielberg on the shoulder and he quietly comments, you know, there aren't six people in this room who know how true this really is. Huh? Yeah, kind of yeah. bizarre, huh? If I was the president, I would so be like, I've seen one of those that's a little bit taller and not quite so ugly. <laughs> um, unfortunately the sudden press of people approaching Spielberg and the president prevented Spielberg from pursuing the strange comment made by Reagan and he never got a chance to actually follow up and say wait what do you mean the truth so but I'll tell you what I'm going to tell everybody some truth right now including you Ooh. presto did you know the model designed for the 1982 E.T. alien, E.T., ended up being based on a snapping turtle embryo who was given the eyes of Albert Einstein and the back-ass end of Donald Duck. Holy shit. I mean, <laughs> what an yeah, amalgam, it's like huh? a, I'm seeing it in my head. I'm picturing it. I'm like, oh, my God. You're like, fuck me. Yeah. It makes sense. <laughs> It's so weird, man. Yeah, and apparently he, quote, wanted to make a creature that only its mother could love. Well, he did a good job. <laughs> he did a damn good job, huh? So what else is kind of weird, too, is Ronald Reagan was known infamously for his just fucking bizarre presidential speeches. And I don't know if you ever caught any of these, but apparently in the fall of 1985 Reagan is now immensely popular as a president and he's about to have a toast with his biggest rival in the world Gorbachev Ooh. yeah Mikhail Gorbachev who is the leader of the USSR 
During their first summit in Geneva in November 1985, up to that summit, Reagan's harsh anti-communist rhetoric was famous for calling them, quote, the evil empire, and so on, but things were about to change. A State Department memorandum of conversation records this strange statement made by the president in one of many toasts on November 19th, and he is quoted saying to Soviet leaders that if the people of the world were to find out there was some alien life form that was going to attack the Earth approaching on Halley's Comet, then that knowledge would unite all peoples of the world. Towards the end of his speech to the 42nd General Assembly of the United Nations on September 21st, 1987, he goes on to make another strange quote. In our observation with agnosticism, Oh, no, 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 sorry. In our obsession with antagonisms of the moment, we often forget how much unites all the members of humanity. Perhaps we need some outside, universal threat to make us recognize this common bond. I occasionally think of how quickly our differences worldwide would vanish if we were facing an alien threat from outside this world. Mm -hmm. And yet I ask, is not an alien force already among us? is not war, alien in itself. Wow. On December 4th, 1985, he also made a weird speech at Falston High School in Hartford County, Maryland. And he says, I couldn't help but, when you stop and think that we're all God's children, wherever we live in the world, I couldn't help but say to him, Gorbachev, just how easy his task and mine might be if suddenly there was a threat to this world from some other species from another planet outside of the universe. We'd forget all these little social differences and local differences that we have between our countries, and we'd find out once and for all that we really are all human beings here on this earth together. Well, I guess we can all wait for some alien race to come down and threaten us, but I think that between us we can bring about that realization. So this dude's hell-bent on being invaded by the aliens. Yeah. <laughs> and I bet if he were to have seen Mars Attacks, he probably would have giggled with joy. Heck, heck. Huh. Yeah, no shit. Really weird, man. So in closing, the March 4th, 1985 alien comments to this high school did not make big headlines, but they did produce a reply from Gorbachev himself. Whether it was inspired through his conversations with President Reagan or through information provided by his own intelligence people, Gorbachev appeared to have his own interest in UFOs. On February 16, 1987, in an important speech at a conference at Grand Kremlin Palace in Moscow on the survival of humanity, Gorbachev appeared to respond to President Reagan saying, at our meeting in Geneva, the U.S. president said that if the Earth faced an invasion by extraterrestrials, the United States and the Soviet Union would join forces to repel such an invasion. I shall not dispute this hypothesis, although I think it's early yet to worry about such an intrusion. It is much more important to think about the problems that we have entered in our common home. And then later, years later, on May, 90, <laughs> May 90th, in May 1990, years later, after Reagan had left his office and shortly before the fall of the Soviet Union, Gorbachev made a second, more direct statement about UFOs. Quote, 
the phenomenon of UFOs does exist, and it must be treated seriously. Huh. Yeah, pretty bizarre. And what's weird too, uh, on the on the on the paranormal note, Reagan made a lot of quotes about weird shit, including ghosts. He mentioned how I forget when it was. He mentioned how he could finally understand why oftentimes Abraham Lincoln would fall to his knees in utter exhaustion and defeat, not knowing yeah. how to basically run a country or if he was doing the right thing. And then he made the comment that uh, supposedly Lincoln's ghost haunts the White House to this day. And he himself believes he has seen old Honest Abe wandering the halls in certain wings. Man, we need more presidents like old Ronnie Reagan. I like that guy. I know. I'd like to think that right now, if we were looking for a third seat, we could have just called Mm -hmm. Jackie Gleason or Ronald Reagan. (laughs) Those sound like our kind of guys. So that oh, uh, that shit, uh, Star Wars program, um, I, I, I'm almost positive now after hearing all that shit that you just spewed out that it was Reagan because that sounds exactly like something Reagan would be interested in because it was supposed to be a program that would put defense satellites in the, uh, around the planet so in case we had an extraterrestrial threat, we could oh, blow the shit yeah. out of them. But but then it kind of like fell off the radar. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. nobody, you know, everybody's like, "Yeah, it's not real. That's not real science." So we're not going to worry about that. But um, I, I'll have to look up the guy's name, and maybe we can talk about it in detail on a, on another show. Um, um, yeah, you're right. You're right. Star Wars in the Cold War was a satellite Ronald Reagan had set up in space to find missiles before they got to America yeah. and shoot them down over the ocean. Uh, he calls this program with the Strategic Defense Initiative critics who don't like the idea. Um, he mockingly called it Star Wars. But I want to say, like, I remember yeah. that being more of a real thing. Like, I remember seeing, you know, heat-sinking lasers yeah. being able to shoot down missiles, and that was like a real, like, army uh Well, this, uh, this British guy, um, he was a he- – he's a he's a hacker and he actually claims to have hacked into nasa and he found all these different files Mm -hmm. and one of them uh was like planetary defense so he he clicked on it and then Uh all of the 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 file was basically like a spreadsheet and it it had a battle cruiser cruiser um uh it it like it sounded like basically (laughs) like star wars ships right but all the names Weird. of the ships were like, you know, USS, and then it was like, let's say, uh, you know, Nixon or whatever, and it was all the members of MJ-12. So there was actual 12 of, you know, these these ships, and each one of them represented, you know, the members of MJ-12, so it actually had all their correct names. And he's like, I tried to look up, but I couldn't find actual, like, battle cruisers that are registered that have these names. He's like... But it, it had crew members. It told you who the captain was, like you know how many how many crews. And then he's oh, like, wow. and then it was a, a picture folder, and I clicked on it, and it was basically this cigar shaped craft that was floating above the Earth's uh-huh. atmosphere, like you know, in low low orbit, and it had like two sets of balls, like these weird ball like things on the top and on the bottom. And he's like, and then all of a sudden my mouse started moving by itself across the screen 
it clicked the 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 photo to the uh, the trash can, deleted it, and disconnected me, uh-huh. and then I got control of my mouse, and I was like, damn it, I wasn't quick enough. Um, so they actually caught him as he was trying to download all these files, but uh, he claims that uh, we actually have low orbit like you know starship cruisers out there. Uh, yeah, with U.S. That's military weird. on it. So. He described a spacecraft that was long and elongated. So it, it looked like a cigar-shaped UFO, but it had like these two, like these two balls on top and two balls down below. Like uh, they were, I don't know, the, uh-huh. like almost like radar dishes. But he's like, they were just, it was just weird looking. Was the file that he clicked on called? Nuts. <laughs> oh mercy, mercy, mercy. Well, we had some more to talk about, but because we lost Steve, um, damn you, Cox Communications, you bastards. Damn you, Um, government. We're going to cut it here because he had a second part to the episode he wanted to talk about. So we're actually going to uh, join up in a couple days and record another um, little add-on to this episode. So you will still get this episode at your normal time. But we'll have probably a follow-up the following week, a little bonus episode to drop some more information because – um, with the issues we were having, we also had some interesting news articles to talk about. We're going to have to end up cutting out of the beginning of this episode um, just because we had a pretty rough time with it. So, mm-hmm. yeah, who knows? Maybe uh, maybe Cox is doing some maintenance or just being a bunch of cocks. Who knows? So, <laughs> <laughs> Boy, howdy. So, yeah. And I don't know, man. We talked about it. Do you want to push our episodes back to being released on Wednesdays now? Yeah, it's fine with me, man. Does it matter either way to you? No. We may do that, guys. You may find that you might start getting these on Wednesday, giving you a midweek show as opposed to a uh, early week show. So, well, Presto, you got anything you want to uh, plug, my friend? Oh, indeed. Uh, mm-hmm. Podcasts or Brothers from Another Mother. Steven that we just dropped out of the car and Brady who's not even in the car. You should <laughs> yes. listen to him. Check that shit out. It's pretty good. So, <laughs> Yeah, there you go. Hell yeah. Yeah, check that out. Check out our buddy Mark's show, Pixelated Sausage, where he does all sorts of shenanigans talking about anime and books, movies, TV shows, video games, whatever that guy's doing these days. He'll tell you all about it. And uh, check out my favorite NASCAR podcast, Sports Car Unleashed. And then, as always, guys, do yourself a favor and check out BigDomsBeardBalm.com. Mm-hmm. Man has some incredible, incredible beard products, combs, oils, balms, and some soaps you can use. And I uh, I just recently got a hold of some bay rum and some sweet tobacco. Ooh. I say, mm-hmm. have, you, have you put that sweet tobacco on yet? I've put it all over me, actually. Um, it, what's it like? pretty good, mm-hmm. just, as, just as it sounds. Kind of a nice, sweet... Uh, tobacco smell and it's not overpowering it's not like you know your grandpa's cheap dollar store cigarettes it's actually a very nice (laughs) kind (laughs) of it reminds me kind of like a bookstore smell man like you go into like an old bookstore smells pretty great and uh the wife likes it quite a bit that sounds like i'm a 1950s bastard what about that time that uh, I walked into your lab and uh i had a you know smoked that uh whiskey pipe tobacco yeah, Smoke. yeah, you smike. No, it smells better than that. 
Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Spells better than that. You smelled like a dirty hobo who was a drunk when you wore that or, or came in with that. What was it, like a whiskey whiskey tobacco that you smoked? Yeah, it was a, a, a English pipe tobacco that had been aged in a whiskey casket. So it, uh, yeah. At what point yeah. did a homeless person pee on it? That's what uh, I want to know. Uh, that was probably in the eighth month of the aging process. <laughs> I bet it smelled good when you were smoking it, but I when smelling it on you smelled like you just went to like I don't know a bingo hall. And, <laughs> Let's get this done. Whoa! <laughs> yeah, guys. So about <laughs> back to brass tacks. Check out bigdogsbeardbomb.com. and if you use our promo code PXL you can get twenty percent off your entire order. So go on there and check him out. And he's actually got a sampler pack right now, I do believe, with all seven smells on there. And he's got quite a few. He's got classic, which will make your toes curl. Mm-hmm. He's got a citrus. He has a Dundee cedar. It smells like a lumberjack. So if nothing else, you could at least smell like a lumberjack if you can't lift a axe or cut a tree down. He's got a fresh smell, kind of like a barbershop smell. He's got mint. That smells pretty great. Very clean. Um, and not quite like, you know, it's not like a toothpaste like you might think. It's a, actually a pretty nice, sweet-smelling mint. I like to rock that one once in a while. And then he's also got uh, your Sweet Tobacco and Bay Rum, my two brand-new favorites. So seven different smells to check out, guys. So check them out. Use promo code PXLPARA, 20% off your next order. So with that, guys, we thank you, and we will catch you sooner than later, probably about a week from now, with your next little tidbit. We pick Steven back up. Yeah, we'll pick him back up. God. (laughs) Or buy him a new modem, one or the other. All right, guys, thanks so much, and we will catch you all next time. Peace. The cast at Pixelated Paranormal would like to thank you for listening to this week's episode. Pixelated Paranormal is here to tell you tales of the fantastical, the strange, the unknown. Tales that will move you a little further down the paranormal highway. If you'd like to share your own listener story, we would love to hear it. You have two ways. One, email us at pixelatedparanormal at gmail.com. Again, that's pixelatedparanormal at gmail.com. If you'd like to leave us a voicemail, we have that set up too. Dial us at 707-523-4263. Again, that's 707-523-4263. We'd really love to hear from you. Again... Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Pixelated Paranormal, your guide to the unusual and the strange. All right, guys, so this week there is no flub or stinger at the end of the episode. But again, just a reminder, we're going to start dropping these shows on Wednesdays now instead of Tuesdays. That way we can kind of drop a midweek show for you as opposed to something at the beginning. So we will uh, we'll be back again in one week. We're going to drop uh, basically what we left out of this show due to some technical uh, Cox communications problems. Those rat bastards. So we will catch you guys again in one week, and we hope you enjoyed the show, and we look forward to what the future has coming. We've got a lot of great stuff uh, coming your way. Thank you so much.